Hello. Welcome to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast, where we invite a writer published in a Deep Overstock literary journal to read and discuss a piece from our archives. Yes, this is the exact structure as the New Yorker Fiction Podcast. Thank you, Deborah Treesman. I'm your host, Michael Santiago, and this week we have A.G. Angevine on the show, reading a story published in the horror issue of December 2019. This story is Your Door Garden by Ariel Cusby. What, then, of the black flowers that grew inside, contortions, allowed bruises, slow-opening blood lilies? This story was chosen by A.G. Angevine, who has published stories all the way back to our debut issue, Space Exploration in May of 2018. She's also been published in Fairy Tale Fables and Folk Tales, Nautical Lore, Structures, and Our Origins of Life Issues. A.G. Angevine is a queer writer and actor born and raised in Southern Oregon. She studied Shakespeare at Southern Oregon University and got her M.A. in fiction writing from the Attic Institute of Arts and Letters. She's an active member of the Enzo Theatre Ensemble and in the past has worked with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, Portland Center Stage, and the Portland Rebels. She lives with two cats and two very needy peace lilies. E.G. Angevine, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Yay, thank you for having me. So you chose In Your Dark Garden, which harkens back all the way to our horror issue in 2019 by Mm -hmm. Ariel Cusby. Why this piece in particular? Well, I will admit that part of it is was Ariel specifically. I have a great fondness for her writing. And I think that this poem is a really beautiful sort of exercise in contrast. Yeah, it's one I, I think more people should read. <laughs> yeah, Ariel definitely has a great... I would say she has a knack for writing in the supernatural horror space based on what I've read from her previous work. And mm-hmm. as you probably are aware, she has also gotten a book published. Um, I think it's The Little Witch's Book of Spells. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, something like that. It's a very sweet book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and beautifully illustrated as well. In regards to In Your Dark Garden, mm-hmm. um, you did say you were a Ariel Cusby fangirl. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think this is a adequate horror piece for this issue? Well, yes, and I think it's a really interesting choice in terms of horror because it does use a lot of language that's like very reminiscent of sort of love poems in a way, but at the same time it has this morbid tone to it, which I think is very sort of gothic horror. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's interesting. I think it walks an interesting line between like sort of romance and horror at the same time. No, it definitely does. And I feel like I second what you're saying um, because it definitely juxtaposes the goth elements with the more traditional language you would usually see in a romantic poem or short prose. A lot of the lines, even, even, Towards the end, it says, because I was your little pressed flower translucent beneath the red sheet, where I'd always bloom, but never quite enough. That is definitely reminiscent of, or something I'd expect to see in a romantic piece, um, mm-hmm. but also has this layer of not only mystery, but this impending dread. Did you get that sense while reading this piece? Did you, did you as you said, it's romantic, also gothic horror, but- mm-hmm. 
how did you feel emotionally as you were reading the piece? Yeah, I think it it definitely starts off with a a more like I imagine like <laughs> silk or curtains in the breeze kind of, you know, sweet and and airy and then kind of by the end it feels it it feels like you're being pressed in like a pressed flower, like there's something very almost suffocating about it in a you know i think in a very intentional way yeah and i think the use of flowers as a sort of theme through the whole thing also speaks a lot to that horror aspect because flowers are so often associated with a sort of um memento mori because they're beautiful but then they die so quickly and that kind of thing so it's um I think in me anyway, it provoked some longing <laughs> in an interesting way. Very interesting. And I could see why you would probably feel that way because it does seem to invoke that longing, especially towards very, right towards the end. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to jump into the reading. This is A.G. Angevine reading In Your Dark Garden by Errol Cusby. In Your Dark Garden. All I wanted was a white sheet in a white room, and your milk body, too. A bed where each time you'd make me a stranger and we could frenzy like moths tethered to light. A temporary blindness, summertime. What, then, of the black flowers that grew inside, contortions, allowed bruises, slow-opening blood lilies? Because I was your little pressed flower, translucent beneath the red sheet where I'd always bloom, but never quite enough. So, uh, in f- terms of Ariel Cusby's body of work across Deep Overstock, um, you, you've chosen a very specific piece that I think, and as you explained, represents horror in, in, in a new light. Um, she kind of did subvert the genre and flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely something that, that I wasn't expecting going into this. Do you think Ariel Cusby, as we discussed with her uh, published book, uh, works well within horror? Or do you think that there are many other genres that she's appealed to your senses in regards to previous back issues? Or is horror kind of her main thing that really draws you in, if that made any Um, sense? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think think one of the things that I really – enjoy about Ariel's work and what kind of brings me back whenever she publishes something anywhere, really, (laughs) Um, is I think that she and I have a very similar aesthetic or like I really enjoy her aesthetic in terms of her work and the things that she's interested in, you know, like birds of a feather kind of thing. (laughs) But I do think that that the horror feels like something slightly different from her, which I think is pro- partly why I wanted to read this particular one because it feels definitely feels in her wheelhouse, but like slightly outside of what I am used to seeing from her stuff. There's something really interesting about the combination of this sort of natural naturalism. Um, in terms of like, you know, flowers and nature and that kind of thing. And 
sort of contrasted with the idea of horror and you know horrible things happening or or those those beautiful things kind of becoming becoming horrible <laughs> if that makes sense um <laughs> yeah and it's yeah it's been on my mind i recently watched the movie um crimson peak <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. It's, you know, full-on gothic horror ghosts and things like that. But there's something really interesting about that, the way that those, that that film and this poem are sort of interacting in my mind. So the filmmaker Guillermo del Toro, who's the one who uh, directed Crimson Peak, he has a very like distinct visual style. And especially in that movie, there's a lot of red and white and black and like the contrast between those three colors. Um, and I think that's one of the other things that is fascinating to me about this particular poem is be, is that it, it starts out with the white of the white sheet in a white room and your milk body and even the temporary blindness of summertime. And then it sort of moves into the black and the red, black flowers, bruises, blood lilies, um, but then it kind of brings that white in with the other two colors again at the end, because I, so for some reason, the word translucent, like makes me think of white sheets, even though it says the red sheet. <laughs> so there's something fascinating to me about how evocative this is in terms of the colors and how much I can really picture the, the contrast between those three colors, like through the whole thing. Very interesting points. I actually wanted to address something you mentioned at the beginning of your response, how she was able to essentially, this, this seems like she can operate within, like this could be her wheelhouse, but mm -hmm. uh, in a way it sounds like she subverted your expectations in a way. And as you know, Zach and I are the co-hosts of the Dio Fiction podcast mm -hmm. series. And we recently did a, a well, we have an anniversary special coming up, but we did an episode together where we discussed how, what, or what we're looking for in terms of submissions from potential authors and poets. Mm -hmm. And Zach and I both agreed that when we get submissions, even though they're structured and fixed to a theme, which the new theme coming up is Shakespeare, and then we had um, yeah. Magic and previously Future, we like for people or we like to see pieces where people do subvert our expectations where they're not following hundred percent the tropes of the genre. So they're not limiting themselves. And I found it interesting that you had said that um, because obviously you're a writer as well um, as am I, the best way to grow is to often subvert your own expectations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, I definitely found that piece interesting and something our listeners and potential authors and poets down the road could definitely draw from. And it was interesting because in the second half of your response, you had mentioned Guillermo del Toro and Crimson Peak, which I have not seen that, but thank you. No, it's I have very good. To watch. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely watch that. Um, but while you were saying that, it, I recently saw The Green Knight mm. from A24, mm -hmm. and that film. Although it's an author, uh, uh, I don't even know how you say this properly, uh, authorian yeah. <laughs> uh, piece. I want to say authoritarian, but like authorian piece that's 
focused on the world of King Arthur and a round table, mm-hmm. it very much drive the narrative is driven forward through the palette, through the beautiful landscapes that are all one color, whether it be the foreground, the backdrop, or what the character is wearing themselves or mm-hmm. what any sort of secondary or any other characters that are in the piece. Um, it really paints a visual image. Uh, whereas the narrative is being, it, it could be a silent film and you could still tell what's going on, at mm-hmm. least for me mm-hmm. um, in regards to the color palette. So I found it interesting that out of the entire poem that the colors were kind of this, this, um, I say this driving force, this, this, if you don't really appreciate uh, the craft or what Ariel's done here with this piece, it kind of just becomes, you know, it's a blink and you'll miss it sort of line. But (laughs) at the same time, it is a, they are elements that are driving this piece forward. So I thought that was a very interesting point you made. So in conclusion, I guess my final question is, if this had to be expanded upon, let's say Ariel was to revisit and offer a sequel piece or follow up to this, um, although I think it's you know as short as it is, it's fine standalone. Mm-hmm. Or if she wanted to actually engage in a longer narrative, do a two thousand, three thousand word story, do mm-hmm. you think that there's enough here, or that there's enough that you're interested in that could be revisited, expanded upon, or do you think it's well enough as it is. Well, both really. <laughs> I mean, I think it stands on its own as a very coherent piece that is nice, nice and short, but f- full of things to think about, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but I also think there's something interesting. And like, if, if she ever wanted to, I think it would be a really interesting thing to see from her to expand a little bit the story of like who the person is that's sort of experiencing this Um, because there's something very, the other thing that sort of resonates with me emotionally about this piece is this sort of juxtaposition between like beautiful things and not comfort necessarily, but like sort of the comfort of being in company with another person, but knowing that that is not actually good for you. <laughs> like knowing that the company of that other person is a little bit toxic. And even though it feels really special and it feels really good, it's not in the long run going to be sustainable kind of the way that cut flowers are (laughs) too. Like they're very beautiful and they're nice to have in the moment, but in the long run run, they rot and they go bad and you have to throw them out. Yeah. So it would be interesting to me to, to feel into or see a little bit more about like what that, what that relationship is and what that, who the person is that's, that is in this poem. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of strength in this piece from not really knowing. So I don't know. (laughs) It's like you want it, but you don't want it kind of thing. (laughs) 
Yeah. No, a- excellent comparison too with the flowers, how once they're cut, they do have an expiration date yeah. and beautiful to look at initially. Eventually it's going to rot, like you said. And if you relate that to love or life itself, uh, unfortunately, same thing happens um, in a morbid sense, but we are on a horror issue. So, right. it's, totally <laughs> so appropriate. it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not to say, I'm not, not saying to the viewers, you know, don't find love or, you know, if you're with somebody right now, cut them off like no. a, you would a flower and let it die. <laughs> but uh, definitely, definitely good analysis and, and a per- good perspective on it. You mm-hmm. definitely opened my eyes to uh, it, as short as it, as it is. I've, re- I've read it a few times and now I think I'm going to read it again yeah. <laughs> and keep what you said in mind and see, see how it makes me feel this time. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was E.G. Angevine reading In Your Dark Garden by Ariel Cusby. Once again, E.G. Angevine, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and coming out to the show and discussing this piece. Yeah, thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. That was E.G. Angevine reading and discussing Your Dark Garden by Ariel Cusby. From a horror issue published all the way back in December of 2019 with cover art by Olive Lewis. You've been listening to the Deep Overstock Fiction Podcast. Our theme music is the song Take Me Higher by Jazz Har. And join us again in two weeks. And don't forget to submit for our next issue, Shakespeare, before November 30th. Visit deepoverstock.com slash submissions for specific guidelines. 